0: thursday beautiful people if it's around nine o'clock you got me love babs love talk it's very nice to be here on a thursday i'm still under the weather oh, it takes so long to get over a dairy episode it just takes so long but i'm standing i'm still standing better than i ever was yeah my voice is still crackly i got me some ginger and green tea and. uh I'm ready for the day. So uh, we lost Christine McVie yesterday. I can't take losing Irene Cara and Christine McVie in one week. That cannot be right or holy. I mean, I was, I was totally shocked at how close an age I, I was to Irene Cara. I mean, she died. She was 63. I'm oh, 59. I don't know why I thought she was eons older than me. <laughs> I was wrong. Christine McVeigh, I get it. She was 79, that makes sense. because uh, I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac uh fan. And uh but I was a fan of her in her own right. Because I just thought she was great. Uh
1: so that's where we are.
0: Um so yeah, so we we lost another. We lost two great women of music, and uh it's just that's just a lot <laughs> it's just it's just a lot, it's just a lot and uh you know, uh, people did nice tributes to Irene Carr. they played all her music and still playing it and I guess and I know they'll do the same for Christine McVeigh
1: so. Uh you know, our our uh our music heroes are going to the big band in the sky. So I don't know what to think about that, but
0: it's just uh I just we should give reverence to it. And uh and if you don't know Christine McVee songs, just do a YouTube search. Uh, all the Fleetwood Mac stuff, all her own stuff. Uh, if you don't know who Irene Cara is, do a YouTube search. All her music will come up, you know, from the movie, from the movie Sparkle, which I don't know how many white people know Sparkle. Uh, not the recent one, but the one with Irene Cara and Michael Phillips Thomas. Uh, yeah, that one.
1: So uh, she was in that um, fame, of course. And the song to flash dance. But a couple of other things, roots too. Um, yeah, so
0: long and storied career, both of them. <sighs> powerful women. Um, definitely left indelible marks on our sound our soundtrack to our lives for the last 30 40 years uh, I, mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't know one damn Fleetwood Mac song or who does not know the flash Dance song what a feeling Ooh. I mean you've got to know that but then you got to know all the stuff from Fame too you know out there on my own and um, I mean you got to know that still stuff and if you don't this would be a good weekend to stream
1: the original fame. be a good week to do that. And people have been posting up uh, Irene Cara's, uh, all her um, clips from, because, you know, she was
0: a child star. And she was such a cute kid and so talented and turned into a very beautiful woman. It's uber talented. So, but anyway, that's just a lot to take. And, you know, we have this saying in the black community, death comes in threes. You know, we say we got that superstition. So death comes in threes. But then we lost uh, the brother from uh, Texas Walker. Remember the brother? What's his name? Gail.
1: Uh, I just saw it the other day. Good looking man. He was like 63. Good looking man. From Texas Ranger. I think that's the name of the little show. Uh, And a couple of other movies. Um, He passed away. You know. I mean, listen, people die
0: all the time. You know, none, none of us is getting out of here alive. So there's that part. Um, But it is something to be said for your musical icons and your musical heroes to pass on. That's a little challenging, you know, particularly when their music had so much to do with the soundtrack of your life.
1: And, you know, Christine McVie was one of the best to ever do it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And, I, and Irene Carr was incredible. So, okay. I, I, I think I paid some homage. And, uh, and if I was a DJ proper, I'd play their music.
1: I would. I would just spend a day playing their
0: music if I was uh, in studio. uh, I would play their music. But since I'm not, I'm going to leave that to you. I'm going to invite you to go and do yourself. Go and find some of their music and play it today in the next couple of days or this week and next week. Just, you know, immerse yourself in Irene Cara and Christine McVeigh and see where it takes you and then drop me a note or something. Hey, Babs, I did it, and I loved it, and blah, 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 blah. And hopefully it will take you down a rabbit hole, a very good rabbit hole of good music.
1: That's what I hope for you. So
0: um, at the ten fifteen hour, I've got uh, Ann Coates and Christy Mc. Uh, <laughs> Christy McBee. Uh Anne Coates from Creative Arts Workshop, and Nico Whedon from the Building Fund uh, coming on to talk about their collaboration. So they'll be on at the ten fifteen hour. And uh, we uh, Nico Whedon sits on the Arts Council board, uh, and uh, and she is uh, an accomplished uh, art person, and uh, and I'm glad to see that she's uh, her and her husband and that cute, 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 cute baby have uh, put down roots here
1: and doing cool stuff.
0: So I want to celebrate that, be a part of it, and support it. So that's that. Um, don't forget Sunday, I'm talking to Nicholas Dawidoff uh, about his book, On the Other Side of Prospect. So we'll be in Salana on Sunday at the Possible Futures Bookstore. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Yes, indeedy. I'm looking forward to that. <clears throat> My weekend is already stacked. So, I you know, no matter how I feel, I'm going to press on. Friday is the Arts Council Awards Lights, Action, Camera. Uh, and I can't wait to see these honorees. And to honor them and to support them and see them get their awards, it's going to be a wonderful night.
1: If you got tickets, stop by the red carpet. It'll be fun. And then, um,
0: you know, hang out. Saturday, uh, I've got class, but Saturday afternoon, I'm going to go up to uh, the Hudson Valley with Robert. He is showcasing his cigars.
1: And uh, I'm excited to hang out with him while he is doing that. So it should be fun. And I've never hung
0: out with him outside of the gym, so this would be good. This would be fun. I mean, he'll be working because he got to pedal cigars. Me, I'll just float around, talk to people, smoke cigars, and maybe
1: have a cocktail, maybe. And uh, and then Sunday, I think my writers group resumes. I think we're back at it on Sunday. And uh, so, yeah, so there's a lot going on. A lot. A lot. So, and uh, oh, the
0: tree, the New Haven, the tree is going to be lit on the New Haven Green tonight. So, if you have mine to do it, no, I think it's very cold today. It's windy. Um, so, the uh, weather people said dress for 20s, <laughs> even though it's like 30s, 40s, dress like it's 20s, 30s, because the wind is going to make it feel very, very cold. It's December and it's, what do they call it? Um it is winter. Uh winter has shown up.
1: And uh so let's get ready. Let's get into it.
0: Let's get into it. Winter. So some parts of the state saw flurries. I'm not ready to see flurries just yet. I know they're coming. I'm not I'm not anti snow. I don't want to. Set the, I don't want to be like that.
1: I'm just saying. It's coming. Winter
0: is coming. It's already here. So uh, be ready. Be ready, pilgrims. Be ready. <laughs> uh, and uh, I got my heat low. Uh, I got a heater for my room because heat is
1: expensive this year. Moist, muy, muy. Lots. Much. Much. Expensive. Very much expensive. Um, And uh, I don't know what people are going to do. You know, I don't know how to expect people to survive. It's tough.
0: Tough, tough, tough. Uh, today is World AIDS Day, too. Uh, I remember doing that work. I remember being on the front lines of the AIDS fight um, at AIDS Project New Haven and uh, working across the street from uh, Mrs. Colefield uh, AIDS Interfaith, and, uh, and just doing joint things around today. We've come a long way, boy, a long way from those early, scary, mean, mean days. Uh, I used to deliver meals to people, to people who were shunning with HIV and AIDS. And I can tell you, people were unbelievably mean. Landlords, unbelievably mean. You know, people couldn't get well in privacy. And they couldn't, you know, see their end of days in peace. People were so in unbelievably and incredibly hostile and mean. Uh, and I remember, I remember those days. I remember when I was, you know, when I was, when I was just a volunteer before I went to work for the organization and I was delivering meals and uh, and people would be protesting. <laughs> I was like, you protesting feeding people? Is that what we're doing? I mean, people were just out there bag religious zealots. And, and the black churches were at the absolute worst.
1: You know, they didn't want to bury
0: people. If you bury them, you couldn't say HIV age. You had to say they had cancer or something, because that's a way more respectable respectable death. Way more respectable death. I mean, people were just stupid and and unchristian. And I don't know how people thought that they were doing God's work by protesting people getting fed and having some place to live and services, you know, because they was of the mindset. That it was a gay man's uh, disease. And, and And for a minute, they said, "Oh, it's just white men." But then when they found out that black men were dying, and then black women and children, it was just a, it was a mess. So I am for people having the freedom to sort of declare who they are, because I, I never want to go back to hiding, because what happens is when you hide. You create uh, lies. So anyway, we're on the street on a Thursday. Love it. Hello.
1: Hi Babs. How you
2: doing?
0: I'm good. How are you? Where are you?
2: Um, it's, I just took a step out of the cold into Morena Barber Shop. We're near the boulevard. And I'm with Aaron, who's um Hi at Hi, Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, nice to meet you. Nice so to meet
3: Aaron's, you. Aaron's
2: busy, the shop is full. They got two barbers going. They got two people waiting, two people in the chair.
4: Yeah.
2: So Aaron, I was just going to ask you what the word on the street is on uh what Thursday morning on mm-hmm. the Marina Barbershop.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, hi. Uh, we have been uh, here like uh, two years working mm-hmm. for all the people community here, and I. We're so blessed. So you're feeling blessed on yeah, Thursday morning. Best. Yeah.
2: You're feeling blessed because you, you have people
3: around, you got work to do, yes. you're, you're warm enough, all that kind of stuff. Yes.
2: And what kind of haircut are you giving right now with this, this is, gentleman?
3: This is like a taper, sign the back, like a mohawk taper. A taper? Yeah, like a taper. It's real skin in the in the barong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like number two on the top.
2: A number two on top. Yeah, yeah. What does number two mean?
3: Number two is like a when you put a clipper. Is that it's for number you put a look at number one, number two, number for the three. different kind of yeah. Yeah. Size, size. uh, size.
2: And why would you pick a number two to do this taper? Because
3: that, that's the number he likes on the
2: top. And does that mean, does that determine how thin it is or what yeah, shape it exactly. is? Yeah,
3: exactly. This is how short it is. The, the hair
2: and it's tend it to have the teeth closer together or something,
3: yes. Am
2: yeah, I real seriously? That's what it is? Yeah. These are the closer teeth are?
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: So if they're closer, does that make it shorter? Yes. It gets more of the hair out? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting, man. Like, yeah. So you have to study a long time to be a barber, right? Like, how do you learn?
3: I studied a student here, yeah, for one year. I stood in my country, too, back to the American Republic to here, eight years to go. And I also working my whole life, the, this year, the same job. This shop. Yeah.
2: So in other words, you say you've been here three years, been no, working something
3: that they, uh, that profession, the profession. You've so been in a, a barber your whole life. life. My whole life. This is my only job. <laughs> really? Yes. So
2: what? How old were you when you started?
3: I started, uh, uh, real job like uh, 14 years old.
2: At 14. How old are you now, Aaron? <laughs> I'm 27. All right. So 13 years you've been a barber. Yes. Yeah, so, were you in the Dominican Republic when you started,
3: or were you here? Yeah, I, I started in the Dominican Republic. And what brought you over here? In and Puerto Plata. This is my country, yeah, my, my city, my country. New it's Haven. Yeah. No, no, I brought you to New Haven. Oh, yes, yeah, straight to New Haven. Why did you come here? Oh, I come because I come with my, with my daddy, you know, with my dad, straight to here, you know, it's different living in the yard, we're looking for opportunity. So
2: you came here for opportunity with your dad? Yes. How old were you when you came?
3: Uh, 19 years.
2: You, you were 19, so you're kind of grown, you're already a barber. Yeah. And what does your dad do? Yeah, he worked in a supermarket, Derby, in You Derby. Know? Derby. Yeah. But you guys came to America for opportunity together yes, with your dad. That's kind of cool. You were 19, but you weren't leaving home. You were with your dad. Yeah. And why do you like being a barber? You stuck with it.
3: Oh, I don't know. A lot of Latin people are looking for a simple jobs sometimes. <laughs> and like, when you work in, like in a barbershop, you are your own owner. Mm-hmm. Like a you make it your own business, and you like her. you know? You're around the people, talk, make a friend.
2: Am I right that barbers know how to talk to people better than anyone? Like, is it true you could like talk to anybody? What the first person wants to talk about religion, the next
3: person wants to talk about politics or music, right? We are everything, we are everything. So
2: so what's the trick to being a good barber,
3: talking to people and cutting the hair right? Oh, you have to be friendly, you have to be, you know, Sometimes you make a little good, good friends. Mm-hmm. Good, good friends. So the people, you heard the people, you support the people, and it's nice, you know? It's nice, like that. And Aaron, do you own this barbershop? No, my aunt owns own the bank. Who owns it? My aunt. Your uncle? Yes. Yeah. So your uncle
2: owns the shop? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is he here now?
3: No, he's not here. And do you
2: help run the farm, or? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah.
2: And do you live in New Haven?
3: Yeah, I know, I live in Derby. Derby, okay. Yeah, but, but comes- I'm from here in now, basically. Yeah. you
2: come up from Derby here. Yeah. How come?
3: Robin?
2: Because your uncle has a yeah, job? Yeah.
3: yeah. Okay. And I work, I work when I started here, I started in New Haven too. My all my clients from here from Haven. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and how my, about the stretch? How'd you do the pandemic? Because you say you've been doing this three oh, years. You we know,
3: don't, yes. And pandemic stuff for us because we stopped working, you know, mm-hmm. and we just when we just started too many. Team, we know we can do the prayer, we can do the faith, mm-hmm. and the people scared. We scared too. You know how to it is. So. Yeah. So, so you started right before the pandemic, right? Yeah. You said you've been here three years.
2: Did you have to take off for a while?
3: Yes. Yeah, but I was in this barbershop before. I worked in, in another in another barbershop like for seven years. Okay. We've been
2: at this one for three. So, talking about today, how's the crowd? Is it four people
3: here, the usual crowd this time of day? Is, is it
2: busy today? You got four people oh, here.
3: It's and um, weekend is really busy, a lot of people come, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, what's weekend.
2: a Thursday morning like?
3: It's Thursday morning. Sometimes people you know, get seats, seven people wait, you know, in the morning. That's a lot. A lot. We make we shop. Is
2: this a regular Thursday?
3: Yeah, just the normal people you yes.
2: see. Yeah, yeah. And what's it been like so far? What's happened this morning? This morning? What you say again, please? What's t- this morning been like so far? What time did you start?
3: We started like at nine.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Sometime early, like eight thirty. Uh, today you started what time? Nine.
2: And this is the first four people came yes. in. So is this your first customer of the day. is my first And what was there a name for the haircut you gave me? You said a fade. This is the, this is taper fade. Taper oh, fade. Yes. Yeah, and um and so this is your first customer. How many do you think you'll have today?
3: Oh, I don't know, maybe 12.
2: 12, and, 12. 12 people. and what time do you work till?
3: Two, 9 to 6.
2: 9 to 6. Fabs, yes. any questions for
0: Aaron? Yes. Do you take? A, are you an appointment barber, and do you have a large Caribbean um, clientele?
2: She asked if you'd have appointments and if you have a large Caribbean clientele.
3: Yes, both.
0: We, we do
2: appointments too,
3: and uh, yes, we have a lot of Caribbean...
2: And is that a specialty? Is there a style of hair cutting that is Caribbean or is this just the same as... No,
3: car- it's funny because it, now every people do it like fake. Before now. Every people like fake, like taper, almost the same.
2: Did it used to be different? it used to be a different style of Caribbean barbershop?
3: Conan, it's a little bit different, yes. We use a lot of blades...
2: A lot of blades. Yeah, most people. Now that has like, wider teeth, so that's not a number two, right? What kind of? This is number one and a half. One and a half. So the two yes. gets closer. Yeah. And what's that called? A razor, right? Or, this is. Yeah. What's that called? What is the it Clibre? a razor? Yeah. No, this is the
3: clipper. oh the
2: number two, one and a half clipper,
3: wow. and then
2: the number two <laughs> has the smaller teeth together to get it shorter. Exactly. And, uh, what, and what about the Caribbean community? Is there a tight-knit community around here? Derby, New Haven, are they together?
3: Yeah, we are yeah. together. A lot of, you know, yeah. Caribbean people, uh, regular, Spanish people, um, yeah. South America, South America, a lot of Cuban, Puerto Rico, Dominican mm-hmm. yeah, Jamaican people. Have you ever
2: missed Dominican Republic? It's been uh, a lot of years now. Home is home. Which is home? Home is Dominican Republic?
3: Oh, it's here for me now. It's yeah. weird because I, I got married here, my all opportunity here in the United States. We're blessed, man. we blessed with the country. we really blessed. And we have to appreciate appreciate that. You
2: know? And what about this time of year now? We just finished Thanksgiving. We're starting December today. Is there anything that changes as the holiday season comes?
3: Yes, it's more beast for us.
2: You get more at the holidays. Yes. Have you seen that yet or is that starting a few weeks?
3: What, that again, please? Does that
2: start today or is it starting a few weeks? A few weeks.
3: Yes. So you're yes. getting ready for our business at the holidays. Exactly. People come, come, come for Thanksgiving and for Red, Black, Christmas days. <laughs> and anything particular they want? Do they want it shorter or do they come more often to just have it look the way they want? Exactly. Like like, like they really want it shorter. Shorter, you know. But it's the pain, you
2: know? What do you do special for holidays? Me? work hard
3: <laughs> and buy a lot of tea for the you have kids? No, I don't have it. I look at both. <laughs> but no, I don't have anybody.
2: Babs, anything else for
3: Aaron?
0: Do you, uh, do women come to your shop?
3: Do women come in the shop? Yes. Yes. We have a, basically we have a salon for ladies and in this area for Oh, two sto- it's like, two different stores. Exactly. It's the same business.
2: Does your aunt own both? No. no. I mean, your uncle I mean, he yeah, owns both. He
3: was. His wife, So his wife owns it.
2: What are your aunt uncle's name? Juan. Juan and what's the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morena. Morena. Oh, that's why it's called yeah, Morenas. Right. So Morenas is the male side. There's a wall between them, and then Morena. I've always seen Morena, the salon for the women next door.
0: Yeah,
2: that's that's cool. Yeah. Anything else, Babs, for
0: Aaron? No, I I uh I uh I know that you have a huge uh, Caribbean population because I know Caribbean people are very particular about who
3: cut their hair. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah, how important is haircutting? In, like, is there anything about Caribbean culture and haircutting? Especially? Oh,
3: we have to be fresh every weekend. <laughs> Why is that? Like, like purple every weekend. Culture. People like love to be fresh.
2: So is, do you get more then on Thursday and Friday for that? Yes. So Thursday and Friday has more business than the yes. rest of the week. Yes. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Okay. Well, Babs, we're going to let Aaron get back to work here. Thanks for chatting with us on Love Babs, Love Talk and WNHHFM.
3: Bye-bye, Babs. Thank bye you bye so Beth. much. I appreciate thank that.
0: You. Might have to pop in there and get oh, a thank haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> oh wow. do you know what? There are people who start work early. There are people who are out there doing it in the mornings. And uh I love a good uh I love a good barber. I go to Omar. Although he hasn't cut my hair in a minute because I normally I roll over to Kay because she colors it. So I just let her cut it. It's just a basic haircut. But Omar does a little fancier haircut. So.
1: That was nice. Morena's. I don't know where that is. So.
0: Uh, I'll read about it in the independent. <laughs> I'll get the backstory in the independent. I love it. I love the word on the street because it's, it's just the right slice of New Haven life that you wouldn't ordinarily get, you know, because there are people who just don't venture venture out in the ways that other people do. So so this would be quite interesting. So, yeah, so read all about it in New Haven Independent. And, uh, and, and uh, periodically I pull them for the New
1: Haven, uh, for the inner city. So it's pretty,
0: pretty, pretty nice. I put for the inner city. Uh, yeah. Because these are the people that make our city go. I mean, these
1: literally are the people that make our city go.
0: So I want people to uh, take it in.
5: Take it in. Paul should have completed the story by getting a, a haircut at a one. <laughs> One and a half clip. <laughs>
0: hey, Harry. I didn't know you were How you here about? today.
5: How you well, doing that?
0: Just... I could tell uh, Paul doesn't really know a whole lot about black haircuts.
5: <laughs> he doesn't know anything.
0: About, about black barbers. <laughs> he's, like,
5: he's like, what is that? A, a what blade? Is that? What,
0: what is that? <laughs> I was like, clippers, clippers. <laughs> well, Listen. It's good, because now he knows something, right? Like he's gone in a black barbershop and asked questions. <laughs> and, uh,
5: yeah. you know. You I don't know what's, know he, what's interesting he, is that he's, he's had to see. Um, You have to see people's haircuts. I mean, there's so many of us around, right? <laughs> um, so, so he like didn't know what a fade was and stuff like that. it's like it's weird it's, it's it's pretty interesting
0: well, I mean if it's not in your it's not part of your culture,
5: it's weird no i, I mean i I know uh other people's like I know oh yeah, we culture. know that yeah we do,
0: <laughs> we, do. we do it's we just know. so weird we do, we know. <laughs> Well, you know when you go to white barbershops, it's tapered. You're getting it tapered.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. When you go to black barber
0: barbershops, it's getting faded.
5: <laughs> so that's yeah. Right. And you got to fade down. The clip on top isn't the clip you use on the sides.
0: Well, that's that's the part. <laughs> so. Huh. Well. I'm I'm glad. Uh,
1: uh that he so got to go in there and uh people start work early in the morning. So
0: I'm yeah, like,
5: okay. So cool. hey, hey, Babs, do you see that in Hawaii two volcanoes erupted at the same time?
0: Wait, what is going on? First they said Harry, oh don't be worried about it, it's just rumbling, whatever. Now <laughs> they gotta be worried.
5: <laughs> it's like see? what
0: See that's that that's that moment when you're like, maybe Hawaii was not a good idea.
5: <laughs> I mean, what do you do, right? There's not enough boats <laughs> to get off the island. I don't
0: know. I don't know what you do. You get to higher ground.
5: <laughs> I guess. But the thing is, is when I mean, we're talking about like a cataclysmic eruption. You know, you got nowhere to hide. Everything's coming from the sky. The ash and everything.
0: I know. I don't, I don't know how you deal with that. Is I mean, there an evacuation plan in place? Like,
5: hopefully, there's like underground, underground shelter, like in because the water. Volcano
0: is from underground, Harry. No,
5: but I'm saying like, under, like in the sea, like you're able to go into the sea in a some type of shelter, like you know, like like they have in some. Some places where you could see shipwrecks by going into an underground. Oh
0: yeah, that's true. No, I don't. I don't think they have that.
5: <laughs> I mean, at the same time, next time they got, next thing they got to tell us is Yellowstone is gonna start <laughs> erupting over there. I mean, then then you know something's.
0: This is this is wild. And, I, yeah. I I would be nervous. I mean, at at best, they'll lose a highway, right? Which which would be problematic because you know how long you got to wait to rebuild a highway from lava?
5: Well, it kind of builds itself, Babs. <laughs> <laughs> it dries dries out and becomes another section to the island. Uh, yeah,
0: but you got to wait because it, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's like years wait. Like it's not like oh tomorrow it'll be cool to walk on. <laughs> no. <laughs> It takes a good while,
5: so, you know. I it, don't know if, if, if the world's not ending, all this is doing is adding land to, <laughs> <laughs> to Hawaii. <laughs> well, you know, pe- people wonder how you know some islands suddenly pop up, and it's because there's this underground um volcanoes, there's, there's volcanoes under the ocean that erupt sometimes, yeah. That's what happens. You know? So, I mean, you never know what this world is doing, what it's going to decide. I don't know if
0: I want to live near a volcano, though. Remember? remember, I think I remember some years ago, Mount St. Helen, remember when it erupted a little bit
5: and spewed ash all over the place? (laughs) Yeah, but but that's supposed to be kind of (laughs) dormant. And those are the things that scare you because they go, oh, don't worry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like,
5: no. Nothing to see here. And then all of a sudden it spits out something (laughs) like, what the hell is going on? Like you got
0: ash all over your house. And that ash is not cool. It's hot. So it's just like little matches. I was like, oh, God, this can't be my life.
5: Yeah, the volcanoes are kind of scary. Once once those things start erupting, you know the earth is going through some changes. The earth is going through some growing pains right now. Well, you know, the earth
0: is a living thing, Harry. Right.
5: And we're gonna be, you know, we're, we're the casualties of, of what, you know, Mother Nature wow. decides Mother to Nature's do. Mother
0: Nature's gonna throw us off this planet. I think that's what Mother Nature is trying to do. We not be yeah. good stewards, so I think she's like, let me run these humans off this planet.
5: <laughs> so, I mean, yesterday I turned to. One of those conspiracy shows, and the guy oh my was, pre- God. was predicting by January we're gonna have some type of major event. So I was like, Yeah, what else is new? I mean, uh, big, for-
0: bigger than the World Cup.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've been waiting for the world to end. So-
0: Why are you waiting
4: for the
5: world? To end? Like, I'm saying, that? you know, the, the predictions since I was a child, I've been hearing. Either Jesus is coming in the clouds, or this, or that. Everybody's predict has been pre- predicting something, so that's I, why I, I, I'm agnostic. I'll believe it when I see it.
0: I'm like, what? And you, I, I didn't even give that any room in my. But I mind. like listening
5: to. I like listening to all of that crackpot stuff. You know, I, I don't know how you do it. I don't have the bandwidth for that stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I like, I like to see, I like to hear how crazy people are. I honestly do. <laughs>
0: I, I, live in a, I'm a, I live in America. I there's examples all around. <laughs> it's enjoyable. <laughs> there, there's examples all around, Harry. <laughs> I mean, there's TikTok is full of these people. <laughs> full of the zanies and the crazies. Just full of people who are just out and out stupid. Just out and out stupid. And it's not, you could, I mean, all you could do is go, wow, seriously.
5: I mean, I, I got to admit when a few years ago, I don't know how many years ago I was, I got into the TikTok thing. Not, you know, I, especially for here, I had created a TikTok account. Uh-huh. And, th- and then when I realized <laughs> that it's owned by the communist party <laughs> of China. It is. Um, I decided to get off it, but I get sent videos all the time from my friends. Look Uh at this. Look at that. Look at this. Look at that. So I end up seeing those TikTok videos online instead of through my app. But, you know, those things are like when they send me a link to something, I see one video and then it automatically populates the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And all of that stuff is addictive because I, well, yeah. I, I'm like, yeah. Let me watch this. Let me. Oh wow! Look at that one. Look at well, that. That's, you know.
0: that's the that's the problem. <laughs> that is the, and it's not just limited to kids. It's adults no. are addicted. You know, people are so addicted to these things that they are foregoing human connection.
5: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, that that'll be a downfall. I mean, even if you're not, like, I just read that. Elon Musk is, he said his Neuralink thing, the brain thing that's gonna make you, I guess, a hybrid, um, it's gonna be testing in the next six months on uh, humans. Mm. Um, so even if we don't get to that point, which we are gonna get to that point, if you look at um where the money is being invested on Wall Street, they're they're investing in this these new technologies to bring us this hybridization of us with Uh technology. So did you see
0: the robot, the police robot in what is it? Oakland that could could shoot to kill.
5: Yeah. But they, they've been testing it in, um, in foreign countries. I think there was on a campus in, in India. There was this whole fleet of robot security things, but, they were saying, "Oh, it's just testing security, but they could shoot to kill." Yeah, they could
0: shoot. They can I don't shoot want nothing
5: tested that could shoot me because it doesn't recognize me or something. It's no, no. Thank but you. You know
0: who? You know who is not going to recognize?
5: What? <laughs> Oops, that, my my bad. Sorry. See, that's the one thing they haven't they haven't resolved. Debs. because AI is racist. I don't want to resolve it.
0: The people that make these things are racist, Harry, and it translates. I just read a whole thing about, as try as they might, they can't seem to, I mean, I don't know if I believe this or not, but they can't seem to make these artificial intelligence things, not racist.
5: (laughs) Well, this is the thing, right? So, (laughs) and I believe it because (laughs) what, what happens with it is that we can't teach it anything new, right? So, what they do is they plug it into the internet stream to learn from everybody in the world. Well, guess what? Everybody, you know, the majority of the world is racist. <laughs> so it starts picking up, you know, the sentiment, the consensus, right? Because it's gonna learn by by the consensus. That's what ai is doing it's lear- it it's learning to be more like us but through a consensus yeah. opinion no
0: not not like they're not learning about us
5: i know but you know what <laughs> they're i'm learning saying.
0: about then they're not learning about us
5: <laughs> so that's that's the thing how do you keep moving forward with this technology when you don't resolve the racism
0: you just answered the question <laughs> you're not trying to resolve racism you're not trying to resolve racism just trying to find more ways to further it. They're not trying me, to
5: resolve it. Let me tell you, and, you know, because you, you're reading more and more stories about the uh, the up and coming RoboCops, right? And that's, <laughs> Baz, you seen the RoboCop movie? Yes. Right? I, I don't think it's going to have a conscience. It's just going to be pure robot, right? So, <laughs> Imagine you get pulled over by a robot I'm just gonna be I'm gonna get out my car and lay flat face down I'm not even gonna try to conversate With a robot I'm just gonna lay face down And just Whatever Okay, guilty or whatever, I don't know Cause What are these things gonna do?
0: And then you just hold your breath Yes, you I move, guess Cause if you move And you know what that does, Harry? That takes the onus of human human error or human humans firing deadly shots. Right. And and how and that's gonna require a whole new bunch of skilled attorneys to fight this kind of foolishness. Right? So so if a robot kills you, Harry, what do you do? Well, we could just unplug it and re and go reprogram it.
5: Well, they're gonna go, well, you know, the robot was going by the data. And the data says this and that. So any error is, is an inherent error because of the biased data. So what do we do with that? Do we change the data? Uh, no, because data is data. So they, they're going to have an built-in excuse.
0: Yeah, kind of like they, like they do now, but it costs, it costs so much. This won't cost as much.
5: No, it's going to eliminate a a whole bunch. I mean, it's going to initially cost, but then it's going to save them money. And also, it's going to save them lawsuits because, like we just said, there's not going to be any human error. Because
0: robots don't need vacations. I mean, they might (laughs) need to be plugged in or whatever or, you know, every now and again, tuned up, Harry. But they don't need benefits. They don't need retirement money. They don't need any of that
5: that's true all in, right it's true they they just got to come up with the cost what what's it to tune it up every 3 months what's that to hire better?
0: somebody to do that right so that's,
5: that's it's, it. it's it's we're moving in a very
0: but it's not just police it's grocery stores
5: everything yes it everything it's
0: retail places it's your doctor's office it's it's all that stuff Sir, I mean they're already using the robotics and surgery, so you know.
5: Wow, right? So
0: Skynet is real, Harry.
5: <laughs> no, that it is. I don't know why
0: we're playing around. It's real.
5: You're right. I don't know why we're playing around. the the studies have been out there for years, right? That <laughs> AI is racist. AI Will eventually try to correct all human error. It's good. That's it's just leading to that. So, how do you correct human error where humans are always going to make errors? So, how do you correct that? You eliminate the human eventually, right?
0: Uh, yeah, and I rest my case.
5: (laughs) (laughs) How do you build a perfect human? Oh, you just eliminate him. That's it,
3: yeah.
0: Listen, so, I mean, I, it, it's scary. I watch but... still cyborg movies and Terminator movies and Robocop movies. Listen, and all those other kind of movies, Harry, that talk about some kind of hybrid. I mean, it's going to be, uh, it's going to, uh, and, and they will roll it out in a way that makes it palatable to people. Then everybody would be like, you know what? That's a good idea.
5: I mean, he, he, <laughs> I got to admit, even me with everything I just said, I'm very curious about the Neuralink putting that thing in your brain. That chip. Um, but that's the problem with us, right? That's no, exactly no, the
0: it's it's not the problem with me.
5: Not you, but people like me.
0: I don't trust these white folks. You think I'm gonna let these white folks put a chip in me? Are you kidding me? No way, Jose. <laughs>
5: Uh 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 uh-uh, Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. you know no way. but but like me I, I i would be curious of of reaching or or being a part of the next frontier right so
0: yeah but yeah but you'd be the guinea pig harry you would right, be right i'd a be
5: partner. the guinea pig right so i mean i guess what welcome to the, the new revolution coming. It's not going to be on the streets. It's going to be in, in some server room.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I I laugh, but I laugh. I laugh. I laugh because the truth. <laughs> because it's the truth. That's why I'm laughing, Harry. I laugh because it's the
5: truth. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we, we're not gonna live. For no, but I, I, like I, to... I mean as a species, we I don't think we're gonna make it because we're so destructive. You know,
0: look at look at look at all the forces that are working against us. We're still in a pandemic, even though everybody acts like we're not, right? So we still got these strains out there, Harry, that are doing their own thing with people, and people are still dying from COVID or whatever the variations of covid. So people are still dying on large scales with this thing. But we've gone back to our natural lives, right? Cuz because we just couldn't bear a mask and and isolation. So that that's that's one threat. The environment, Harry, the environment, the
1: ecosystem it's unhappy too. So <laughs>
0: So listen, the storms that are going on now across this country, across the world, that's the second threat, right? Because you now you're starting to displace people, displace people. They got to move. They got to do stuff. So you got that. And then you got these people who want to do artificial intelligence stuff that's going to do us in. So you got three things right off the bat that we know it's going to do us in. yeah in this moment and then you throw in wars i mean you throw in the miscellaneous wars and nuclear threats and all that kind of stuff but
5: well you know i we've we've had a good run right (laughs) i would say so we've had a good run as a species because (laughs) you you look at it i think they say like the earth has gone through some type of cataclysmic event every like I forgot what it is. Maybe 18 years or something like that. I mean, 18,000 years, 18 years. Right. So it's something like that where, and we're long overdue for something
0: mm-hmm.
5: um, major well, to happen.
0: Well, that, that long overdue something is a lot of, a lot of major things. Like, Volcanoes erupting is a major thing. <laughs> yeah, a
5: major thing. <laughs>
0: it's a major thing. It's <laughs> a I major thing. And everybody say, like, oh all right, yeah, 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 yeah. Harry, a worldwide pandemic is a major thing. <laughs>
5: True.
0: We lost a million people in our country alone.
5: Yeah. Um, and I that's know that's a major thing. I know they found also a lot of um underground volcanoes in in the Antarctic um, that um, has been melting, has been part of actually the global warming issue. Um, It's been melting a lot of the ice and it's volcanoes under the ice. What happens when, if those things go off (laughs) and all of the ice disappears?
0: We got nowhere to go.
5: (laughs) We got nowhere
0: to go. I mean we hey, just
5: Right. Don't. It doesn't we matter what. Right. My little floating device isn't going to help me. I need a submarine.
0: <laughs> and how how long do you get to run that?
5: I know. I, I need a submarine <laughs> somehow. I, I I don't know. I'm looking for Noah and you know some guy who was building an ark.
0: Well, they got one at that park somewhere in Arkansas yeah. or somewhere, <laughs> they right? Do.
5: <laughs> they do. I, I mean, I think it just you... filed
0: for bankruptcy because nobody was going there. want to can... read.
5: Well, maybe you can vacation at the time of <laughs> of whatever happens. Um I, well, of course, you have the arcs that are going into space. Um, Elon Musk, um, who's the guy from the European guy? Um and Jeff Bezos, you know, all of those guys, they they have their arc. And I and I would bet that they've already put um space forbid already for the richest people you want to you want to leave this planet at the time okay. of
0: somebody said we're stressing them out <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, i think reality So we... <laughs> you know Then you have that you know at that okay let's let's not talk about that but that, i'm looking at a story right now a meter guy was giving a ticket to somebody and they shot him in Philadelphia for giving them a ticket. Then well, you have, remember
0: we, remember we saw this couple of cases in New Haven, where got, the that people yeah. got
5: beat up. Yeah. So then you have that where we, we, we forgot how to act. I think other. they got to
0: redesign that metering system. I think you get a little scanner and if somebody is parked, whatever you scan it and it goes to their house, like you have no confrontation
5: with people. Yeah, like, you do write a ticket. You shouldn't put a ticket on anybody's windshield. Yeah. It's too dangerous these It days. is.
0: It's too dangerous. So
5: it's I too mean
0: dangerous.
5: All, all the stuff that's happening. Um I was listening to a radio uh I forgot. I, oh, Elvis Duran in the morning yeah, this morning coming in radio show and they were talking about how how horrible New York is. You know, there's so Manhattan. Um it's so dangerous and stuff. And, and some lady called and said, um, well, I'm from Philadelphia and I'm happy being in New York because Philadelphia's worse. And okay, there's somebody listen. there's somebody else called I don't know. Chicago's worse. It's <laughs> always know, it's like, always, always
0: gonna be worse.
5: There's some there's always somewhere there's worse. always
0: somewhere in the world's gonna be worse. So listen, it is Christmas.
5: Oh, that's and right.
0: this is the time of year where we Try to see the good in one another. Peace on what? earth. Goodwill to all men. People to all people. So, in the spirit of Christmas, Harry.
5: <laughs> oh, dear Lord.
0: We're gonna we're gonna move away from.
5: What does Christmas mean these days, though?
0: Well, it 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 it. You need to play a little Stevie Wonder. Then, little Stevie <laughs> Wonder. What does Christmas mean to me? <laughs> and that ought to tell you. Get you, get you a good dose of Charlie Brown. Get you a good dose of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Go old school. Just go old well, school.
5: You, you know, I don't even think they play that on the TVs anymore. Yes, they do.
0: I watched Rudolph the other night.
5: You watch CBS. Rudolph? Because I know Apple purchased a lot of that stuff.
0: I know, but, you, but Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was on the other night on CBS. And right after it, it was another little cartoon.
5: Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I love Not- that stuff. By the way, you're listening to Love Babs Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Um, yeah, I mean, I know. Actually, Karen has all of those things recorded from years ago, so she's able to just go.
0: So you need to go and sit and watch those, Harry, and re- and reset your hope, your hope button. Reset your hope clock or your hope your hope mood. Reset it. Just reset it. <laughs>
5: I'm trying.
0: Just you got to watch those cartoons. And you know what? Watch them with your grandchildren. Re- just reset your faith in mankind.
5: You you remember the stuff, um, Goliath? the a claymation stuff.
0: Yes, uh-huh. I
5: would like to see that stuff. I I, you, I, you can, look I that think up. you can
0: see it on YouTube. I think you can see it on YouTube.
5: Uh, what was it? It was. I think it's
0: my sister sent it to me one time because she loved Pokey and Gumby.
5: Okay. I'm Gumby, damn it! I, you, when you say Gumby, all I can think is of Eddie Murphy playing it on SNL. I'm Gumby, damn it!
0: Oh my god! Oh. all right, we're gonna take a break, good people. We 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 sorry, uh, Joanne. We scared you, stressed you out. From now on, we're going to be much more. In the Christmas spirit, la 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 la
5: la. My humbug <laughs> Anyway, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening <laughs> to Love Bass Love Talk on WNHHLP one hundred three point five FM. <laughs> Your home for community radio.
0: <laughs> we gotta find some Christmas music now, Harry. It's time Even for
4: Christmas. Do you love me? You don't belong Sometimes I wish
1: I wasn't
4: born Cry the tears, jingle bells jingle all the way oh
7: what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh all the fields we go cocktail ring making spirits bright oh what fun to ride and sing a slaying song tonight jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way oh what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open oh we have a lot of fun jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Jingle bells,
4: jingle bells, jingle
8: And it doesn't show signs of stopping. And I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss yes, good night how I'll hate going out in the storm but if you Slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbye, but as long as you love me so.
0: Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I'm delighted to have this conversation this morning because I've got Ann Coates who I adore from Creative Arts Workshop and the fabulous, beautifully talented Nico Whedon, who has brought a level of sophisticated art expression and thought to New Haven. And I appreciate that greatly. You're making us very sophisticated, my dear. And, uh, and I'm appreciating that. So listen. They don't got together and collaborating on some stuff. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to get into it. So Crave arts workshop in partnership with the building fund. Do I say building? It's building. B-L-D-G. Yeah, yeah,
9: the building fund. You
0: got it. Building fund. is thrilled to announce the open call for Made Visible Freedom Dreams, the newest iteration of an exi- exhibition series piloted in 2020 that invites Connecticut-based Artists of color to develop site specific window installations addressing the issues of our times. So I'm excited. So, okay, so start from the beginning. How did this connection happen? How did this partnership happen?
10: It started with conversation, really. Um, this is the town for conversation, I must say. <laughs> yeah. Um, the truth is, Nico, we met what, four years ago?
9: Yeah, sounds about right.
10: Yeah, so we started talking then uh, about how we might collaborate, and then we put our heads together a little more closely last fall, um, just to talk about what might be possible. Um, I think the future of Creative Arts Workshop, which has been around for 61 years, um, depends on collaborations, really. Um, If we're going to serve the community in the way that we want to. We need to collaborate with people outside the four walls of that building on mm-hmm. Audubon Street.
0: So Nicole, tell tell me about, tell me about your vision for this. Tell me about the thinking. Tell me about the building fund and and how all this is part of a a bigger mission.
9: Sure. Yeah, so the building fund is myself and my partner in life and love and all things, Malik Lewis, um, who's in the other room with our child who is screaming. So <laughs> if you hear that, that's what's going on. The building I fund hear is- I hear nothing. Building. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um yeah, so really the building fund was founded in 2020, um, although the conversations kind of leading up to that go back to, you know, us getting back together in 2016. Um and you know, essentially it's like kitchen table conversations around how we really serve the communities that we're both a part of, but that we also wanna see thrive and flourish, right? So we're thinking about creative communities like really broadly, so not just artists, but people with ideas. <laughs> so that could be your neighbor, it could be you know someone that you work with uh, in one capacity, but they have a hobby in another space. Um, and so really thinking through how to bring creativity to the table with as many resources and people and minds on it as possible. Um, And so we officially founded in 2020 and like very shortly thereafter, phone call from Ann that was like, let's get some coffee. Um, And, you know, it it didn't feel transactional at all. It was like, I want to know what you're up to. And I think I really appreciate those types of invitations. And so, yeah, over the last year or so, we've just continued to have coffee and more and more, I think our kind of ideas around who the creative communities are and how we might better serve them together. Um, just keep coming up. And so for me, this project really is kind of the embodiment of a slow relationship that we've been building over time um, that feels really good. Mm. And I mean, I mean, it seems like the time is right because everybody
0: in the arts world, from theater to musicians to to uh, uh, museums are having these conversations about Art equity, equity and inclusion. And so this seems timely right on the heels of of those big declarations that arts institutions were making around, well, are we going to, we're going to BIPOC and we're going to do all the things and, (laughs) and, uh, uh, during the pandemic. And, and I'm starting to sort of, I still see the fervor for that, but I'm starting to see it wane a little bit. So this is quite timely. So talk about uh, uh, the, the rationale or the thinking around, um, reaching out and making this a BIPOC uh,
10: installation
0: of sorts. Shall
10: I, okay. shall I lead off and- Yes, begin? go Ms. Coates, <laughs> go. go. So the idea, so the wonderful thing about this collaboration, um, first of all, I think it's about relationship and not reaction. And we're sort of leading with that. Um, so when create, Creative Arts Workshop shut down like everybody did in March of 2020, Um, we realized that we still had an opportunity in our exhibition space which has this glass wall that fronts um, Audubon Street to continue to program even though we were all at home and we came up with this idea of using that and using the platform that is that Creative Arts Workshop has to bring forward um, work and voices that perhaps had not historically been represented at CAW. And so we put out a call in 2020 for work um, by artists of color to exhibit in that space. And actually Nico was on the jury of that first um, exhibition, right? And then the idea just kept going and I made a commitment that we were going to do that exhibition or some variation thereof every year in February. So that, that let us put a toe in the water together. With the building fund. I Nico, love it. I'm going to let you take it.
9: Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, like, and I'm speaking for me, the person, Nico Whedon, right? Because I do a lot of different things in different spaces. And I agree with you, Babs, that there has been a current <laughs> or like uh, a shift in people's kind of, you know, both their like personal focus, their philanthropic focus, all the ways that Black communities, communities of color in this moment, um, yeah, are being resourced in the ways that we like have wanted to be and needed to be and deserved to be resourced all along. And so I think for building Fund, it's less about this moment and more about responding to all of the systems that make it such that people of color, creatives of color, don't necessarily feel that they have access to the resources to kind of bring their ideas to scale or to community, right? And so I think for us, it's very much like just doubling down on the thing that we know to be true, which is that so much creativity and innovation comes from communities of color. And whether or not we're able to see it is about perception and perspective, right? And so I think what's really exciting, you know, as Anne mentioned, is like thinking about Audubon Street as being the hub of New Haven, well, one of the hubs of New Haven's arts districts, and yeah, wanting to see more people that look like us really inhabit that space, own that space, see themselves reflected in that space, if it is going to be, you know, an arts district of by and for New Haven, and so. And is the perfect person to think about this with, because she was already making gestures and kind of you know, thinking about how to be critical about the street and the boundary between the street and the institution. And so we just see this project as a way to really kind of bring some of those ideas home.
0: I love it. So tell me about the the theme, um, freedom dreams. what t- t- tell me about what that means and where's
9: where is it from? Yeah. So um, Freedom Dreams, you know, I, I'm gonna credit Robin D.G. Kelly, author, professor, um, who's author of Freedom Dreams, The Black Radical Imagination. I'm sure it exists, you know, in culture in a couple of different ways, but for me, that's how I'm, I'm citing it. Um, and it's really about, you know, looking kind of historically at social movements and the roles of creatives and communities of color in those movements, but specifically, like the role of artists um, as visionaries, as leaders in our communities. And so originally, you know, there's an exhibition that I did, was it earlier this year? Time is crazy. Time is so crazy. It was earlier this year <laughs> um, at the Samuel Dorsky Museum, um, which is in new Paltz And, you know, it was a really short exhibition, but it was really fun to kind of dive into this sense of like, what would artists build if they had a blank canvas? You know, as opposed to necessarily looking at history and saying like, this is all the stuff that's broken. Let's try and fix it. It's like, what are our visions for utopia? What are our visions for um, a world that is all those things that you said, that is inclusive, accessible, um, representative of all of our diverse communities. And so really building a space with artists at the center who are making some bold proclamations about what that looks like. And so I kind of left that exhibition, like wanting more, right? Because it was short um, because it was far from home. Right. And I was like, what are the artists in New Haven contributing to this conversation? Because I know they are. What are the artists in the region contributing to this conversation? Um, And so Anne was really open enough to say, you know, why don't we continue the conversation here at Creative Arts Workshop? It's a conversation we're already also considering. um, And how might we use the window as a kind of space to experiment? And so that's really how, you know, the theme kind of went from reading a book a couple of years ago, being really affirmed, right? And saying like, I'm, yes, like artists are the people that are out here that are helping us to envision the alternative to like the shit show that is the reality that we've inherited. How do we follow them? Like, how do we walk in step with artists into the future and build the world that we want to live in? Um, so for me, that's like how the theme manifests. But it's also open. We'll see what people come up with in this open call. I'm really excited to see what artists suggest. I love it.
0: So, Anne, you got you put out an open call, Mm -hmm. and and an open call means submit, submit your proposal, submit your idea, submit. Now, is this for new artists, any artists, people who call themselves artists who might not know they're artists but could be artists, and and what are you? what do you hope that you'll see? Do you have, or are you even thinking about what you'll see? You're just like, oh, we'll see what we see. Talk. Tell me a little bit about who, who is this, who can do
10: this, and, and what do you hope to get? Ultimately, I think, I hope we get way more than we can imagine, because that, to me, shows the promise of the future. My hope is that the work with, the building fund doesn't end with this exhibition, but it actually continues for a couple years. Yeah, <laughs> um, as it iterates, as we explore, and as we use, I sort of see Creative Arts Workshop as a platform, as a place, and as this container. And you can't see my whole body, but I'm making the I'm making this. I'm holding mm-hmm. a big container. And our job is to hold the container, keep it open, keep it not cracked, right? Um, So that things can happen. And so one of the things that happened with the first open call for um, Made Visible back in 2020 is that it introduced us to artists with whom Creative Arts Workshop had no relationship before. And, And we continued that relationship even if they didn't make it into the first exhibition. Maybe they made it into the second one, or maybe, maybe they became teachers. Maybe they became thought partners. And that's what I hope happens. At, you know, CAW, I see as uh, a couple of things. One, it's a place to create art. It's a place to exhibit art, and it's a place to engage in that. And that's what makes us unique. We show it, we make it, we talk about it. Um, It's sort of, I don't have preconceived notions about what comes out of this, Um, but I wonder, can I hand this to Nico for a second? Nico, you said something the other day that was so beautiful about the sort of deinstitutionalization that we're making possible here. Yeah. Yeah.
9: Yeah. I can't remember exactly what I said, cause you know, I'd be talking, but um, <laughs> I, think that, do that I think all the time. I think, you know, the premise of it, right, is that I think especially for a lot of emerging artists, and this hopefully gets to your question too, Babs, is like, I think for a lot of emerging artists, there is this tension with institutions, right? It's like, we don't know how to exist in relation to institutionalized space. We don't understand the bureaucratic processes, you know, of how we're either included or excluded. And so I think a big part of what this project hopes to do is, like, make all of that transparent, right? So from the kind of installation of the projects themselves, so thinking about, you know, what it means to walk by a space that's empty one day, and the next day, all of a sudden, an exhibition is up, but you have no idea how that happened. We're really trying to make, you know, that kind of interim moment of, like, producing the thing, a moment of learning, a moment of exchange, a learning of dialogue with the community. So it's almost like, open studios, but, you know, (laughs) uh, installation of an exhibition. And so I think, you know, it's not just visual artists that should apply in my opinion, right? Like I'm thinking of folks that maybe have, you know, a background in um, performance art and they're interested in doing something that has a bit of an embodied element to it, right? That, you know, maybe there is a, a moment where you walk by and you see someone, you know, doing movements and gestures, and that's a way to invite someone into CAW to then see something that's maybe more traditionally visual art, right? And so I think, as Ann said, we're totally open to what we might see, and I think we're learning through this open call what people are interested in seeing in CAW, right? And so I think it's a bit of uh, not give and take; it's a dialogue um, around the ideas themselves. And so I, you know, I would hope we see a diversity of folks apply um, at all levels of experience. Um, Because I think the other thing that is part of this is, you know, that we'll be working hand in hand with the artists, right? So it's not just dropping someone in a space with a hammer and a nail. (laughs) It's the (laughs) idea that, you know, we're there and we're there to be thought partners and to be in dialogue about how you're doing, what you're doing and why you're doing it. So the answer is like, let's see, but it's not closed. The the open call is certainly open.
0: Oh, I love it. And so as I read the... uh Uh, because i'm on your website the the uh, creative arts workshop site and it's all there right how to apply and all the things and and it talks about the selected artists will receive a 750 stipend to cover materials and the creation of the work and the participation in an online program And then direct support from guest curators, the blog fund, and CAW staff with the marketing, installation, development, and programming of exhibition. So to me, this sounds like an artist's dream. Like this sounds, and I don't, I don't know about this part of of uh, of art installation, Um, but I do know that I hear artists all the time who feel left out, and this sounds very welcoming and inviting. And, you know, they're not left to your point, Nico, with just a hammer and a nail and like, go do your little thing. So (laughs) how important is that to make artists feel welcome and supported? It's
10: everything. Yeah. Me, Uh, not to oversimplify it, but it is everything. And I think one of the ways, what I hear is artists often are asked to do things for free uncompensated Mm. unrecognized drop your drop your work off and and then come pick it up when it's over Um, and that's a gross exaggeration but I think that we tried to lead um, from the very beginning about access so this is a fee-free open call and that's worth remarking on a little bit because a lot of open calls you have to pay a fee to enter to be considered Wow. And that is a huge barrier for a lot of artists, and so I decided when I started at Caw that we would remove that flat, um, and we have. And then the the notion that and the stipend um, of seven hundred fifty dollars is real. It's to me, it's not sufficient, but but we're building something, um, and that depends on on funding. Um, but it's a recognition of the value of the artist's time and of work, um, not just producing the work, but participating in a in a conversation about it. I love it. so so Nico, i am I'm, I'm
0: intrigued by the performative part, um, because I, I don't I don't know if that ever gets uh, in these kinds of conversations when these artists calls come out. Usually we're always thinking about mixed media, visual arts kind of thing. So this is this is this opens the the channel I think a bit wider for folks. So talk a little bit about that
9: thinking. Are you going to apply Babs? <laughs> you know, I
0: have a I have a thought.
9: <laughs> okay. See you thinking. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I think so there's a couple ways I'll answer this you know, I teach and I've taught, you know, in MFA and BFA programs for like the last decade or so. And I think the distinction of genre, it's not real for a lot of people, right? Like I think academies, institutions, you know, the art market make it real in the way that, you know, painting is like fetishized and coveted, but people aren't out here trying to buy a performance or like know how to support a performance, right? But the artists making the work are often kind of moving between different modes of production, right? So it's not, I think nowadays, the easiest way to say this is I think there's less pure fill in the blank, right? So like pure sculptors, like a sculptor's sculptor, a painter's painter. I think a lot of people are kind of by any means necessary <laughs> getting their ideas into the world, right? And by that, I also mean by any materials accessible and like, you know, in support of the idea. And so, yeah, I think limiting a call to a certain kind of work excludes the majority of artists that are making work today. And so I think by leaving it open and having it, you know, understanding that CAW has a visual arts mandate, right, and that there are resources in support of that, but that it also has a mandate in service of creative community and that that encompasses so much more than what we might make in like a 2D or even, you know, a 3D space. And so, yeah, I think in general, it's just us being open and again, seeing what what comes to us and understanding the limit of our ability to support it, because I think that's real. Right. Like, and, you know, and I do not have the background of supporting like a full theatrical production in the window. So that's probably not what we're trying to do. But You know, I'm just being real. Right. I think it's like but being open to the fact that someone might describe what they do as performance, um, even though it has a visual component. and so. Yeah, I think it's a moment of learning for all of us, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. So just an aside, our charter, Creative Arts Workshop
10: charter, allows for the performing arts. Oh, Is that really cool? <laughs> Not kidding. We've, yeah. I mean, for 61 years, we've pursued the visual arts, but our charter says visual and performing.
0: Wow. Isn't that cool? That's yes. That's great. Because there's such a great space over there. It's like it's such a great space, and I, I I I love going by it. So, how do you measure Nico and Anne, success of an exhibition of this sort? How do you do that in an arts connotation? How do you do that? I, I don't know how you do that. So, what is how do you know success?
9: Yeah.
10: Oh, okay. So I think <laughs> let me lead this, and this will be fun. Um, I think one of the things that we're seeing. In this whole thing is the deinstitutionalizing of this process. And that's part of the beauty of us in this project together in partnership, because I represent, even though I'm a visual artist way in my spare time, I'm really, I represent the institution, right? But Nico's bringing the creative side. So as an institution person with my hat on, I look at how many people um, apply and what the variety is that, uh, you know, in the applications, I'm going to look at how many people um, come to the exhibition, whether they look through the window or they go inside. We still need to figure that out. You know, I also have my, my office window looks out on the street. And so I watch people all day engage (laughs) with the work from outside. And so that's a, you know, I could count them and spend all day counting them, but I will note it anecdotally. And that means success. If they stop, if they step towards it, to me, that's a measure of success.
9: I love it. And I would, I would just add to that because I think, you know, for me, the answer is really simple. It's like that artists feel seen and supported in the process. Right. And I think that's like the, at the core of everything else that I might say, which is like, it's not successful if artists don't actually understand the platform to be the thing that we've designed it to be, right, which is to put their voice, their ideas, their visions at the center of the work that is, you know, the currency of both the Building Fund and CAW, right, and so I think finding ways to figure out if that's the truth (laughs) is like, you know, kind of core to what I imagine the immediate work um, following the exhibition would be, and then I think, support. And I mean that both in terms of, you know, we've applied for some grants to kind of try and do this thing together longer term. If we get it, that's like a form of success, right? Because it's uh, a belief in the idea and a belief in our ability to execute it. But I also mean support in terms of, you know, what Ann said about people actually coming and engaging with the process, not just the finished product of seeing art in the window or on the wall. And so those are things that are pretty easy, I think, to measure, you know, quantitatively. And I think qualitatively, it's Anne looking out her window, you know, it's me and Niall, like walking by every day with <laughs> coffee, you know, and so I think, yeah, I think oftentimes it's hard for people to really judge the qualitative piece unless you're there in an embodied way every day. Um, and so I think that's, you know, what's so beautiful about Anne's investment in this partnership is that she will be there every day and she will be looking. And that's pretty rare, right? Like, I don't think that, you can assume an institution would do that level of kind of investigation into, into the success. So um, yeah, we're excited. I love it.
0: So when you, when we, when we, uh, we, that's, that's one part of success, but when you talk about this moving forward, do you do it next year? Do you do it the year after? Does it become part of the arts landscape? You know, that people look forward to this, to this, exhibition every year? Do you connect with other art-serving organizations to do this on a bigger scale? Like, is there a dream, a bigger dream to this?
10: Yes. <laughs> um, so, do I dare say the aspiration, at least for a three-year period? Nico, you tell me. Yeah, say it. Be free. So, As we developed, um, well, Nico referenced, we have some fundraising um, asks out there already. And so we had to think, we had to think ahead and we had to aspire. And so what we've aspired to is a three-year partnership where if we're successful in this um, endeavor, and we will be, I believe, um, and it it has its own momentum. You know, when you lean forward, you keep leaning forward and you move forward. And so we hope that the next thing emerges and the next thing would include an exhibition and some pop-ups and work created by artists at CAW, then coming into the gallery and putting it up. It includes, and this is where I'm gonna hand it off to Unico, how it in, might intersect with the work that you did at the Dorski.
9: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, if we're able to like see this three-year container as both a way to experiment, but also a way to really produce, as you're saying that like a consistent culture, right? That people know and are excited to drop in and be a part of on a regular basis. Like that's the dream. The dream is that, you know, we do this thing, three years is just a grant term, right? That's like how we got to three, but forever, right? (laughs) Um, you know, I think it's easy to talk about manageable bite-sized, you know, amount of time. And so, yeah, I think, you know, also speaking to your question around partnerships, I think is the idea that we know that the artist projects would be enriched with support from other local arts and cultural organizations. And especially because Freedom Dreams draws roots from the literary arts, we're also thinking about, you know, partnering with literary arts organizations in New Haven, right? And Mm. I think when I think about access and when I think about the ways that art, even in the way we're trying to design it, can still be inaccessible for folks because it's still like, I'm looking at a thing and I don't understand it, right? Like, I want to understand it, but like, it does something to me. I got to go. Thinking about the ways that we can also open other doors into the project and that the literary arts, you know, is the door that for our communities feels much more accessible at times, right? And so, um, yeah, I think we're excited to kind of continue imagining that all of that in partnership with other folks um some of these dollars come in you know
0: i i, I want to ask do you you know as you're writing these grants and 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 um putting your hat out there for funds um is this still a good time for art serving organizations artists is this is the money out there do you see it is it is it real <laughs> I see
10: it. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, I believe so. And um, we just, we got our first um, indication that this is a, a great idea and worth funding and that there may be more out there. The City of New Haven's Neighborhood Cultural Vitality Grant Program invested in this project. Yay. And we just found out what last week. Yep.
0: Yeah. and and so would you say, Nico and Anne, that a city that has a strong arts engagement? I mean, we know New Haven is quite known for civic engagement, right? Like people, I mean, we you know we've got nonprofits and self as as serving organizations every other block, but you overlay that with the thriving arts community that's building itself. I mean, do I mean, I how, how do you how do you say to the to the, to the citizens of New Haven and people that make the decisions about where money goes, that art is important and it, it is about a quality of life. At least that's how I, I sort of frame this out when I'm talking in my arts council hat, that art is important to the quality of life of its citizens. How do y'all frame that conversation?
9: Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think um, it's like, Show don't tell, for me, right? Like I think it's like you could say it up the wazoo, but for people to actually like believe you, they have to experience it and enjoy it and want to have it and to come back over and over and over again, right? And so that goes back to the, the culture building piece, which you know I think, yeah, we there's some work to do in New Haven, as you said. I think there's like so many organizations, so many different served communities through those organizations, but whether or not it's linked. Um, And they're linked under the umbrella of a broader culture of like, you know, this is what you might be able to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in New Haven is, you know, it's a different, it's a different question and how the arts play into that is, you know, a very different question. And so, yeah, I think part of it is like, you know, what we hope to do in this project is connecting people with their own creativity, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a way of show, don't tell. Um, which is instead of being like, look at this amazing art object. It's like, look at the process and the person that make this amazing thing. Look at how similar you are to this person in ways you might've never known. And look at your own creativity and understand what you might be able to go out and build or do or make. Um, And so I think that plus time (laughs) equals the culture that we're after, right? It's like, this is a a long-term investment we're making um, and a belief that New Haven's gonna show up and participate because without it, it, you know, it's just us in the window doing things that we think are important, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so, yeah, yeah, like that's not not the vision.
10: If I could add to that, that, I would say show and tell. I have, my background is in arts research. And so I know that people who have access to money to give out, Um, often work in the metrics area. They need metrics in order to justify, right? So I know economic impact of the arts inside and out. I know that you need to count, right? You need to count people. You need to count participation and start to make a case for increased investment. I think people will respond and that groundswell of participation is really critical. And then we need to be storytellers to the folks who have money yep. and make that connection for them in the language they understand. Right? And I'm thinking in particular about legislators, but, um, but so Babs, that's a different conversation with the arts council hat on um, that we can talk about sometime. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> I love it, I love it,
0: I love it. All right, so let me tell people, um, if you want more information about this, you need to get your little selves to the creative arts workshop.org site. And it's laid out like it, the the story is, I mean, it, there's enough information that you can just pour over it and, and it gives you the dates and the timeline. Um, and interest, uh, interested artists should submit their proposals along with, you know, all the things. So, um, so there's a, there's a, uh, a list of things that timelines and deadlines, stuff like that. So I, if people are interested, and I hope people are, and I listen, this town is full of artists. Um, that are finally coming up to the surface, which is a beautiful thing to see. Um, and I think this is a good idea and I want to support it as best I can. So we appreciate um, that a lot. Yeah.
10: Okay.
9: Yeah. You. you are supporting yeah. it, having us here with you today. Thank you.
0: And yeah, I I people are very excited about this conversation this morning, I gotta tell you. So Thanks. I'm I'm so <laughs> glad. Uh and that it'll it'll this is what'll happen. Artists will tell other artists, or people will tell other artists, or grandmothers will tell their artists, grandchildren about this, right? Like that's how the circle of, con- of of connection goes. You know, people will tell one another and it'll it'll circulate through the community and everybody will be whispering. So so this is good. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, thank All right, you. so the so the doors are open uh for open call. They started, what, November 21st? Uh-huh. And they've got until December 31st, I think. That's right. To, uh, yeah. to, to get it together and think about the dream um, and what that means to them, the freedom of this and what this means to them, and then submit to y'all. And I, I, I trust y'all have a, a wide cast of characters who will look at all this and say, yay, nay, yay, yes. So. Yep. Okay. And be as, as, you
9: know, in dialogue with folks around the decision as we can. Well, I'm so glad y'all could come on
0: this morning. I will keep my eye on this and whatever we could do to help here on the station, you let me
10: know. Thank you so much. It's been
0: Thank fun. You. I, I appreciate y'all so much. You don't know. I love y'all very much. I love you, Babs. So I want to see love this you, grow Anne. and develop. And, so yeah. Yay. Yay. All right. Yay. Enjoy <laughs> the rest of your day. Have a good weekend. And I'll see you out here in these art streets in no time all right. at all. Oh, that's right. Thanks. Right. See you Friday. Bye. Kiss my boy. I will. Bye. I'll see y'all later. Thank you, All Harry. Right. <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas. We'll be back tomorrow. Friday. Friday. Hi. This is Babs Rolls I for me to even and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM Streaming live at newhavenindependent.org